Our chalice lighting words today are from the Reverend Rebecca Parker. In the midst of a world marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who bear witness against unnecessary destruction and who with faith rise and lead in freedom with grace and power. There must be those who speak honestly and do not avoid seeing what must be seen of sorrow and outrage or tenderness and wonder. There must be those whose grief troubles the water while their voices sing and speak refreshed worlds. There must be those whose exuberance rises with lovely energy that articulates Earth's joys. There must be those who are restless, restless for respectful and loving companionship among human beings, whose presence invites people to be themselves without fear. There must be those who gather with the congregation of remembrance and compassion draw water from old wells and walk the simple path of love for neighbor. And there must be communities of people who seek to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, who call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform and bless life. There must be religious witness. Though you've broken your vows a thousand times, though you've broken your vows a thousand times, here we go. Come, come, whoever you
Greetings, greetings and blessings all. I welcome you in the name of the ancestors upon whose shoulders I stand. And I welcome you in the name of all that is holy and sacred for you. Special thanks to Reverend Nancy for inviting me to share with the North Lake congregation. It is a pleasure and an honor. And today is Father's Day. So I wanna take a moment and honor all those fathers, known and unknown, those who have experienced that sacred, magical, best word in the English language, in my opinion, daddy. Something about that word does something to me, daddy. So blessed and blessings on all the fathers and daddies out there. My personal reminder of who we are as you use is best summed up in the welcoming words of the congregation from Dublin, Ireland. We do not ask what you believe or expect you to think the way we do, but only that you try to live a kind and helpful life with the dignity proper to that of a human being. Welcome all who believe that religion is wider than any sect and deeper, deeper than any set of opinions. Welcome all who might find in our friendship, strength and encouragement for daily living, or as I like to say, hopefully something today you can use. Because for me, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, something you can use. Today's sermon is entitled Freedom Day, or Juneteenth, as it is perhaps best known, and most recently declared a federal holiday. On this day, we're celebrating the emancipation of an enslaved people, African-Americans who had been enslaved in the United States. So hopefully today I wanna to share a little bit about the history of the recognition of this date, which was officially outlawed in the state of Texas two and a half years later, following the Emancipation Proclamation. Also wanna share a little bit about the meaning of Freedom Day in the context and construct of today's time of racial reckoning and reconciliation. I imagine in my mind's eye that it was a hot sunny June day in Galveston, June 19th, 1965. Let me apologize now, I'm going to say 1865 and 1965 a lot. It's what I call the racial groundhog day. Because what I say in 1865 has the audacity to be applicable in 1965. But the year was 1865. Because like the groundhog day, I'm thinking of Bill Murray just kind of keeps repeating itself over and over and over. But on this sunny day, like all these days, all the days that preceded it, it was a day when you woke up at sunrise and knew you would be working till sunset. 
without pay, without recognition, and in constant threat of your life being taken away or the lives of your children being taken away or your children themselves being taken away. This was the daily reality of this quote unquote peculiar institution known as American slavery. A cloud of dust rose in the Eastern Galveston sky as a large group of horsemen approached. The horsemen turned out to be Union soldiers. They rode in and stopped at my master's house and we was all called in from the field. A tall, lanky white officer, General Gordon Granger, had an announcement to make. He proclaimed that as of this day, slavery was outlawed in the state of Texas and that we was free. They were free of their masters forever. Hmm. I can only try and imagine the shock, the disbelief, and the joy that poured from their eyes. Human chasms of crying, human mountains of disbelief. Yes, and a sky full of joy. Sometimes I can feel it and it feels like Freedom Day. Freedom Day. Now, President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation had officially outlawed slavery in Texas and all other slave states that were in fact in rebellion against the Union almost two and a half years earlier, January the 1st, 1863. Let me take a breath of some historical context and try and answer why, let's say, the Black Lives Movement and supporters and our white allies are calling for an end to the road that our country has been traveling down and down and down for such a long time. You know, I'm a, I'm a great fan of uh, NCIS and Law and Order and Sherlock Holmes and James Patterson and Walter Mosley. But I challenge you, the real actual history of this peculiar institution puts those shows to shame. True life drama, murder, and hope in plain sight. Ah, oh, what a detective story it is. And as they say, based upon a true story. So why do we as a country, why do you not want to read or hear about arguably one of the greatest detective stories, hero's journey and drama ever written or ever played out on American soil? This peculiar institution was like no other type of slavery in human history. It was, like, it was like being an orphan among thousands of orphans for generations. Orphans who actually may knew who their mother was, 
but it had their mother and father taken away from them or them themselves snatched from their mother or father at a moment's notice or with no notice at all. Their feelings didn't matter. They didn't matter. After all, they were not people. They were property. The great Frederick Douglass describes it this way. There were no beds given to the slaves unless one coarse blanket be considered such. And none but the men and women have these. This, however, is not considered a very genuine privation. They find less difficulty from the want of beds than from the want of time to sleep. For when the day's work in the field is done, the most of them having their washing, their mending, and their cooking to do, and having few or none of the ordinary facilities for doing either of these. Very many of their sleeping hours are consumed in preparing for the field the coming day. And when this is done, old and young, male and female, married and single, they drop down side by side on one common bed, the damp floor. Each covering himself or herself with their miserable blankets and here they sleep till they are summoned to the field by the driver's horn. So this is the way it was from the founding of my beloved country in 1776, that it was legal, key word for me, legal by law, let alone custom to enslave back people until 1865. Then, of course, we had the passage of the 13th Amendment. I remind us that we had an American Revolution in between there. Remember, 1775 to 1783. I want to share a name, Crispus Attucks. If that doesn't ring a bell, I kind of renamed him Crispus Bipoc Attucks. But he was the first person to die in the American Revolution there in the Boston Tea Party. And he happened to look like me. He was an African-American Bostonian. Just one of the stories of irony in this peculiar institution. Our US Constitution from the year 1789, fascinating for me, our Constitution never mentioned the word slavery, not once, not once. And this powerful document also guaranteed power to the slave states. They did this by counting enslaved people as three-fifths of a person for taxation and representation purposes. You know, if enslaved people would have been counted as that classic one person, one vote, this would have resulted 
and 30% more electoral votes and representation in the Congress. Votes, votes and voting, sound familiar? Voter suppression, voter integrity, voter fraud. Psst, I see that groundhog poking his head up again. So with the passage in January of 83 of the Emancipation Proclamation, enslaved people are free. If, if they lived in a slave state, was this a military decision? or a moral one, much debate. But I know for sure is that the Emancipation Proclamation did not free all enslaved people. Side note, which is hardly mentioned. Over 200,000 brave black soldiers fought and shed blood for the freedom of enslaved people. So it's not just the gift and signing of a document. So the abolishment happened in December of 1865, the signing, with one exception, my friends. Slavery was outlawed with the exception as punishment for crime, except as punishment for crime. So this is a direct historical and very real line from slavery to convict leasing to what we call today mass incarceration. So we then popped up the Civil War, eight, Civil War, 1861 to 1965. Three states, by the way, refused to pass the 13th Amendment. Refused. Delaware, Kentucky, and the state of my birth, good old Mississippi. It took another couple of constitutional amendments, the 14th and the 15th, to legally promise Black folks citizenship and freedom. Equal protection, quote unquote, under the law in the 14th, ah, in the 15th, the right to vote, quote, shall not be denied on account of race. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Food for thought. 1869, 1969. You know, that was more than 100 years ago. And yet you and I remain in a state of the need for racial reconciliation and reckoning. Reconciliation, reckoning, and reparative justice. Did you know that in 1969, our very own Unitarian Universalist Association referred to the issue as reparations investments so said Dr. Homer Jack, director of the Division of Social Responsibility of the UUA. He called for reparations investments. And his call is to the consciousness of our nation, to the morals of its citizens, 
as an opportunity for all of good faith to engage in a very, very long overdue national conversation and action. I must say Dr. Jack's call echoes my own support for African-American reparations, for restorative justice for the African-American community. Psst, take your hand off your wallet. You ain't got to write no checks, not about you. You know that if the 40 acres and a mule promise, if that obligation, if that promise had been kept to those 40,000 freed slaves now, the experts did the tabulation, it amounts to some $640 billion in today's money. The failure of our government to honor that obligation has had and continues to have long-term financial implications that are still with us. Quick shout out to HR 40, that bill that is working its way through Congress. So I believe this lies at the crux of the matter. By the way, Delaware did finally ratify the 13th Amendment, outlawing chattel slavery in 1901. Kentucky in 1976 and Mississippi in 2013. Do you know which state had more slaves than any other state? Try New York. So I offer my offering today is that we must remember, we must recognize as a country, as a society, yes, and as a faith that we own all of our history, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. I offer that this is the only path to that beloved community, the true reconciliation and healing for all of us, all of us. Freedom Day, there I say. Now, I may not be able to define it, ah, but I will know it when I see it. And I will give it a name, as my ancestors did that day in Texas. Freedom Day, Freedom Day, Freedom Day. May it be so. <laughs>